This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Mastering Innovation on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mastering Innovation on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Saika Chaudhary, Executive Director of the Mac Institute for Innovation Management and a Professor of Management here at Wharton. If you have any questions during the show today, just give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. I'm now thrilled to welcome our first guest, Mark Nathan. Mark is the founder and CEO of Zipari. He began his career as a robotics engineer at NASA and spent half of his career leading to the modernization of, excuse me, leading the modernization of customer services at Guardian, one of the largest insurance companies in the nation. The other half of his career, thus far at least, has been dedicated to developing enterprise-level consumer-oriented technology for large consumer brands like Apple and Disney. Mark, thank you so much for joining the show today. Thank you, Saket. Pleasure to be here. It's wonderful to have you. As a first, just to situate our listeners, I wanted to ask you, what does Zipari do and what problem are you trying to solve? So uh, Zipari is a uh, customer experience platform built specifically for the health insurance space. Uh, So we only sell our product to health insurance companies. And the premise there is that health insurance companies have had a a challenging time building uh, their brand and trust with consumers. Yet at the same time, uh, they have access to a lot of information and they have a lot of good people working there that really want to help the consumer, you know, improve their health and reduce the consumer costs So our platform uh, has uh, about 12 products, so I won't go into details of them all, but some of the simpler products would be like a member portal. So if you have health health insurance, you log into the website, you can see claims and benefits, health plans. They have a difficult time getting the talent to build those out. It takes a long time for them to build uh, tools like that, and so we've productized that. We have solutions uh, to make their call centers much more efficient, And then we have some more advanced technology that perhaps we'll talk about later to really drive the right recommendation out to the member and uh, help them uh, improve their health and and reduce expenses. Yes, I'm actually curious about those um, because you also use analytics, predictive analytics, in order to try and drive some of that. So do tell us a bit about the use cases and problems that you're solving and the products that you're trying to offer. Well, I I think... You know, you have to kind of look at the industry as a whole and, and look at healthcare and, and, and start this question, why are the costs so high in the U.S.? And, the, and, the, yes. and you have all these payers and, 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 you know, health insurance companies, we call them payers, payers and providers of so doctors and hospitals. You have pharmaceuticals, PBMs, durable medical equipment, all these different companies that are costs that are in the system and you can't just go to all these companies and say, hey, why don't you all just cut your revenue by 25% and that'll bring down costs, healthcare costs in the U.S. Hmm. So you have to kind of look outside of that and say, well, how can you get to a place where the consumer can actually, at a grassroots, but as a whole, 
drive down the cost? And, and we believe that the answer is, is getting the right information into the hands of the consumer. It's very confusing when you're working with a health insurance company and, you know, you, you, you're going through a stressful situation. You have to get an MRI and it takes you a week to get the right appointment and the right pre-authorization. And at this point, you're not even thinking about the cost for yourself or for the health plan. You're just trying to figure out how do I get myself to an MRI that's convenient and it's going to get the right results. And yet there's so much information out there that the health plans have and, and that, 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 you know, uh, that, that's not exposed, at, you know, in a nice consumer friendly way to the, to the consumer. So, um, our goal is to help these health plans make it very easy to interact uh, mm -hmm. with the consumer, to be able to provide, uh, you know, appropriate recommendations. But we're not really the analytics behind all of those. We're really the customer experience platform. We can talk about how we can sort of sort and rank which interactions and, and recommendations might be best. But there's all sorts of other companies out there that are looking at claims and doing all the analysis, determining who hasn't refilled their prescriptions. We just take all the departments and all of the goals that they have with their members and we bring them into a central repository. So a marketing team might have a goal, a sales team might have a goal, but the care management team has very specific goals about what would, should be best done for an intervention mm -hmm. for a chronic patient. And so we bring those together and help sort them in the, in the best order that's best for the consumer and, and to improve their health and drive down their own personal costs. So when you talk about costs, are you talking about the costs of the consumer going down? Or are you also talking about the cost of all these other players you mentioned in the system, especially the health insurance companies, also being driven down in the process? Well, they will also be driven down. But the, the goal is, if, if we want consumers to make the best decisions, we have to provide them with the most information so that they don't just go to Google and just Google MRI and go to the closest place. We need to make sure that it's very complicated cost transparency, what's in network, what's out of network. It's, it's, it's way too complicated. But if we can help the consumer understand from a cost perspective, so there's health and cost, what's going to be best for them, it's going to have a ripple effect back on the system. When the consumer is unknowingly you know, purchasing procedures that are very expensive, it's expensive to them, but it's generally expensive to the entire system as well. So um, it'll start moving everything in the direction that's best for the consumer. And as a result, you know, they'll start to become optimization. Again, this is the big broad picture that we see. This isn't something that just happens overnight. No, absolutely. And that's the point that I wanted to uh, ask you about. So there are so many different players and stakeholders and, if I dare say, a lot of incentives that are at play in the healthcare system. And uh, do you envision yourself working with other partners and perhaps in an ecosystem format in order to tackle some of these to really make a dent? Yeah, absolutely, Sykhat. So that's, it's, it's interesting that you say that because, um, you know, my background has been in technology and uh, there's different sort of systems and algorithms and patterns that I've built over the years working at different companies. And when I started Zapari, uh, I had this idea that if, if you could really aggregate the data or really the information 
from all these different systems, both internal and partners, as you mentioned, and you can bring all the consumer-related information together, then that's only when you can start making the appropriate recommendations because uh, there's a lot of interdependent pieces of information to make the right you know, uh, uh, recommendation to the member. So when we built, when we set out to build that technology, we quickly learned that we can't go to these, you know, huge enterprises, you know, all these very large health insurance companies and smalls. There are a lot of small ones as well. Yeah. And we can't just go to them and say, hey, why don't you just buy this technology? So that's what ended up leading us to create the member portal and the mobile app. We have a broker portal for brokers to generate quotes to sell and the health insurance to different companies. That's when we built the call center technology because members call into the call center and we built all of our different products. So our products support um, this core algorithm, which we call our CX engine. So for instance, uh, we have a health plan in Southern California. We have about 20 health plans that use our products. Mm -hmm. And one in, 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 in California, uh, their nurses uh, were getting lists of members uh, that had a prescription adherence issue. So they didn't refill their prescription. Mm -hmm. And it's Medicare, so it's older members, and typically uh, they might have chronic or comorbidity issues or, or just complex cases, taking men and medications. And, of course, all of these nurses were calling, and nurses are expensive, and they that's not their core competency is to, to, phone call, to make phone calls. Mm -hmm. And they're spending all this time, and they're getting voicemail and all that. So... What we did with our call center software is when the representative of the health plan answers the phone and they answer the questions that the representative has, then at the end they say, through our recommendation notification, they say, oh, by the way, I noticed you didn't refill your prescription. Can we find a pharmacy that's closer to you or is tend mail order or maybe mm -hmm. speak to a pharmacist about that? So uh, this was getting those nurses out of the, you know, not making phone calls and these expensive where they could be doing things that could really improve health uh and and we ended up closing uh four thousand we closed four thousand gaps a month just through inbound on a very small health plan there so um that gives you an idea of why the products are so important and not just the algorithm and then we partner with dozens and dozens of other uh products that interface with the with the consumer whether it's a a nurse chat or care management or disease management. So our goal is to help health plans understand the consumer at every touch point. So whenever that consumer is interacting with the health insurance company, we want to understand that so we can improve that experience. That makes sense. Um, and then I can see, you know, people get data also through, say, wearables nowadays. You know, so there, there's both hardware and software as well as the system where there's a, a ton of data. Um, in case uh, our listeners are just tuning in, you're listening to Mastering Innovation on Business Radio on Sirius XM 132. I'm Saika Chodri, and I'm joined on the line by Mark Nathan, founder and CEO of Zipari, a consumer experience platform that's built specifically for health insurance. So, uh, Mark, uh, I was enjoying um, hearing that example as well. And you mentioned, you know, how different healthcare systems, you can have this kind of impact. Now, do you foresee in being able to take this platform further that some changes have to be made on the regulatory side, for example, in terms of privacy laws. Like I use a very simple example, which is um, that basically 
we we could actually learn much more about, let's say, cancer treatment and the impacts on the body if we could simply aggregate all the data that we have already across all the hospitals and analyze them properly. So it's not even a matter of getting new data, but rather everything that we have, but we can't because such data is not available in one place. It's protected. Do you foresee anything of that sort needing to happen, regulatory changes, especially on the privacy or other side, for you to really have the impact that you envision? You know, not really. Um, I mean, it's it, it, not really. I mean, there's government mandates and government change could absolutely uh, be one way to fix the system. Yeah. Um, is, is it the best way or the worst way? I'm not the most political guy. I, I, I don't really have <laughs> strong opinions on this. Uh, what I can say is that the information that these health insurance companies and doctors already have is, is a lot of information that's very helpful for the consumer that are done by other systems, not our system. So yeah. a care management platform. Well, the, you know, the, the, the consumer they answer a number of questions when like say an elderly consumer you know uh, member they answer a bunch of questions when they start with the health plan so the health plan can know a little bit about this person do they have diabetes etc and then all that information goes into the health plan's care management system of which we are not and then doctors and nurses say hey um well, it would be good for this person to check their weight every morning. Mm-hmm. And they're making that recommendation, you know, outbound phone calls and, 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 and building a relationship between the, the care manager or the, and, and the patient or the patient's family. You know, our goal is, is not to necessarily change all that. There's plenty of information there. Yeah. Our goal is just to represent the consumer and make sure that, they get access to the information that they need without having to like call a dozen different hospitals and doctors and, 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 and health insurance companies. You know, we just want to make it easier for, for members to know what's the best thing to do for their health and what's the best thing to do to drive their own personal cost down. Yeah, no, so that, we that's don't, We don't brand enough. ourselves as an analytic system or yeah. we just don't. No, that's fair enough. I mean, that's uh, that's yeah. fair enough. Uh, I do understand that. I guess my dream is always to see a seamless a platform that seamlessly connects with all these different applications and and brings together all this data so we can finally, you know, make some headway along on levels. But it's very complicated, as you mentioned, and different pieces need to be solved first in order to even allow us to get there. Which brings me to another question, just in terms of your own background. You were a robotics engineer at NASA for a long time. What motivated you to move into this space and also to transition to the corporate sector? Well, you know, I was thinking about this before the call and, you know, how I really got involved with innovation. And and at at the end of the day, I've always just liked building things. I mean, literally from when I was a a kid growing in, growing up in upstate New York and, and building forts. I must have built dozens and dozens. And then I built this little company in, in high school to sell stereo systems and all that. And on my big 20 computer, you know, did price lists and all that. And then I started, that was neat and it was fun. And I felt like I was doing something creative, but it just kind of felt like I was selling stuff and it wasn't that interesting. So then 
worked for an architecture firm and started paying attention in school a little bit more. And I, I heard about like robotics in our economics course in 11th grade, 11th grade. And I just started really studying that. And then I went to uh, a, a, a university, a uh, university of Colorado at Boulder. And at the time they had a NASA research center. And I said, I'm going to, you know, learn robotics and get into there. And th- and that just kind of led me towards, you know, starting to pick up computers a little bit more. And I bought a next computer and that next computer was this revolutionary uh, computer back in the early nineties. Did every totally different than any other computer. Mm-hmm. It almost like it's really what Mac OS 10 is based on today. And I learned that. And then I got, you know, uh, did all my robotics studying. And then I got a call one day from a recruiter and I didn't know what a recruiter was back then. It was my master's program. I thought maybe they want to football player or something. Like, Why are you recruiting me? And uh, they said, you know, next computer, we have a job. So I took the job. And then a couple of years later, I ended up working directly at next computer. So that's, uh, you know, Steve Jobs company, a couple hundred employees. Yeah. It was really amazing. And then went through the acquisition into Apple, mm-hmm. uh, had some contracts with Disney there that I managed. And so um, that was like, you know, just really, really exciting. And, um, you know, I've always kind of just gravitated towards building software. So mm-hmm. can't do it at work much. I mean, uh, last time, you know, I did that was 20 years ago, 25 maybe. <laughs> but I always kind of kept, you know, I've always had projects at home uh, until this job, the CEO job. I don't have too much time to do it. But I've always kind of had before this had projects, built different software programs. And, and I just like it or write novels or whatever, this kind of stuff. So I like that process of creation. And so, uh, but one thing led to another, and I ended up getting a very unique position at, at Guardian to build a customer experience program mm-hmm. uh, for to modernize all of their uh, insurance systems. And I thought, well, working for a health insurance company doesn't sound most exciting compared <laughs> to some things I've done. Mm-hmm. But this program is a $110 million three-year program. And so I just dug in, and I did that, and we built some am- amazing stuff back in 2006 through eight. And then uh, one thing led to another and I left there and helped found three health plans. And I built a bunch of technology to support that. And then I, that gets into another story. And then I spun it out and, be, and, and created Zipari uh, with that and sort of framed it and anchored it around customer experience or CX mm-hmm. as I knew it. So that's a little path that I got from weave through my life from you know, building forts in the woods in upstate New York to building a, a company here in, in Dumbo, Brooklyn. Fascinating, fascinating evolution. Now, you mentioned a CEO. Of course, there are lots of responsibilities um, that you have in the company, but one is probably to make sure that your team keeps on innovating and remaining, having an open mindset, coming up with new things. How do you do that? Yeah, you know, the... First thing, building the team, it's all about the talent, right? So you got to surround yourself by like like-minded talent. And so, you know, we go through. We had over eight thousand applicants last year, and we hired sixty-two people. I was just looking at the metrics from last month. Seven hundred fifty people applied here. We hired ten people. We're very, very cautious about who we hire, and we do this yeah. for the benefit of, of the employee as well. And we've created sort of an environment that, um, you know, is focused on on innovation, but also execution. You know, 
And my job is to make sure that this company is sustainable. That's why we don't want to overhire people. That's why we don't want to hire people that, you know, don't work out. So we're very, very cautious to build like a really good culture. Yeah. And innovation's just weaved into everything we do. And I'm just a big believer in just design and design, design, like do all of your designs first. So we do a lot of whiteboarding and discussions and we have a lot of cross-functional teams but the whole idea is that um you know we're a technology company so we write yeah. code by the time you write the code we should have thought of every scenario and refactored everything down because at the end of the day i i, I often ask you know it's sort of a trick question i say to an engineer well how fast can you code yeah how, how long does it take how long does it take to code and it's like, how long does it take to code? Well, it takes as, as long as as fast as you can type. Because by the time that you're actually coding something, you should already have figured everything out. And now you're just getting it down and typing it as fast as you can literally type. But the problem is, if you don't do all that innovation first and you don't do all that design first, mm -hmm. you just people go right to the keyboards and they just start typing at whatever speed they type. Yeah. And next thing you know, it's days and days and weeks and weeks later. And then they realize, Oh, we got to rewrite this refactor and all that. So I'm just a big believer in, in thinking a lot first and just banging ideas off of other people and, and asking different team members, what do you think about that and how that, so I don't really follow a textbook as much as I follow sort of my, yeah, but it, it does sound that you're quite pattern. sorry. It does sound that you're quite sound like you're quite systematic. I mean, are there processes and structures that you have in setting up these interactive teams and being able to uh, execute on the methodologies and so forth? What are your um, what are your um, thoughts on that, or is it much more freewheeling than that? Just hire the right people, and <laughs> they'll figure out how to do it. No, it's usually there's a plan behind everything. So, like the way I work, so like I got you know metric metrics upon metrics and I'm, I'm following everything but all the way down to the organizational design and like we one thing at ed Zapari, so a little background like we rarely 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 ever fire anybody i, I you know i yeah. went for the corporate world you, you absorb these people and like oh my god and now i'm supposed to get rid of it. it's awful who wants to do that so the best way to avoid that is to make sure that you're hired the right person so we put mm -hmm. a ton of energy into that but we don't leave the organizational model uh, the same for long. So every six months, every June yeah. and every November, I'll update the organizational model. Um, but there's no like layoffs or anything and everything's pre-socialized out. So right now in the room that I'm at, I'm staring at the new model. And so with this model, it's I've been working on it with the team for uh, I guess a week and a half. We started last Monday. And the whole idea is just to go back and forth and break and break the approach. Our goal here is because we have 12 products and uh, they're cross-dependent. We want to get our engineers are <laughs> their engineers these days. They take a ticket, a Jira ticket, and it's like one day they have to build a hamburger. That you know, next hour they're building a, a taco salad, and next hour they're building you know sushi. And, mm -hmm. and that context switching is just terrible for them. So we're those engineers that are put into that situation, we're trying to get everybody sort of in a box where they can own it and they can, you know, become a great sushi chef. So, like, we're lim eliminating the lines of interdependencies between the people. And with this new design, we have 87% of the people all go up into one sort of area, each in different areas. And then only 13 people, 13% have to 
cut across. So that's an example. It's taken about a week and a half, a lot of socialization, a lot of conversations, you know, in work, out of work, and figuring out what's going to be the best approach for everybody, whiteboards, updates, all of that. And then I got the metrics behind to figure out how that's going to actually drive improved efficiency. And then when that's all ready, then I'll roll it out at a town hall. So we'll be doing that in the next two or three weeks. Uh, we'll be uh, rolling out exactly the details of how all this works. But by the time I roll it out, there'll be no surprises. Nobody's feelings will be hurt. Everybody will feel empowered and move into another direction. So that's one project. I got a couple that are in flight. I have another one in architecture. But that's that kind of gives you the idea. Yeah. Um, I think my Peter, my coworker, worked with at Apple and I've known him for 25 years. He always says, Mark likes to be proven wrong. And I think that's a good way to look at it. I have a plan and it's a good plan because I've listened to all these different people. And when you can break my plan, then the plan only gets better. And now we got one more layer on top of it. So I guess we're just always trying to break this thing and get it to a state where we think is acceptable and then roll it out. So whether it's an organizational plan or an architecture or a marketing plan or a sales plan or anything else, that's kind of how I approach it. Few things I learned uh, from you, just in in what you said, um, you know, a lot of it is about you know systematic planning, but at the same time having to be open to change, um, trying out different organizational models, and then adjusting them as needed, uh, and then keeping things interesting by mixing it up every six months or so, and uh, making sure that um, you know people are on board, which is the last piece, uh, communication. Mark, that's been uh, really fascinating talking to you, and we'll make sure that um, people follow what Zipari is doing. I think you've got a great mission and a great approach. Thank you, Saka. I really appreciate your time. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.